Hey everyone, thank you for checking out the Blue Collar Chaplain Podcast. My name is Chaplain Tyler Eggleston. And to introduce everyone to our podcast and first episode, me and my wife Amanda, who will be my co-host, hey friends, are going to be sharing our story and a short and sweet version of my testimony on how I became a chaplain and a scaffold builder and got into the construction industry and our testimony as a couple on what God has taken us through, how we met each other, and how we ended up being married. Yeah, so why don't you start off by telling the viewers pretty much, um, you know, what led you to want to start this podcast? So, I listen to a ton of podcasts. Oh, yeah. Most of them that annoy you. <laughs> Whatever. That you don't want to pay any attention to. I listen to a few also. Of your own? Yeah. None of the ones that I listen to. <clears throat> But I always wanted to do a podcast, never knew what I would talk about when we were doing that 24-hour prayer after the 40-day fast with the church. I don't know. I just felt it put on my heart. Okay, and you know, I think it's a good way for, um, you know, like if people have questions, they can, I guess, comment them. I don't really know, um, but, and then we would feature them on our next episodes. Um, So yeah, why don't you start? With your testimony first, I guess. Yeah, that would make sense. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you yet. <clears throat> so basically, my story starts when, I guess when I had the calling to become a chaplain at the age of 17. And the church I was in at the time didn't take that calling very seriously. For people who don't know me, I uh, am Got a fair amount of tattoos. I was young at the time. And the church just didn't really seem all that invested in me becoming a chaplain. There was not a very big sense of urgency on mentorship or uh, a calling to ministry like that. And uh, basically, I just kind of went out on my own on becoming a chaplain. I enrolled in a seminary. That lasted one semester. I enrolled in pastoral counseling and did a really good job at it. But God let me know very clearly, very quickly, that seminary was not where he had called me to. And I was more so of just doing it to appease the elders and pastors at the current church that I was attending. So fast forward, I was reading a ton of books, doing a lot of praying and reading in my Bible, and just looking up and absorbing any information I could mm-hmm. about becoming a chaplain. And come the age 18, I had a buddy who was a scaffold builder at a company. And I was cleaning bathrooms and mopping floors and taking out trash for the visitor center in Williamsburg, Virginia. Hated my job. I worked 2 to 11 at night. I made $9 an hour, and I absolutely hated my job. But I prayed a ton and waited patiently, as much as I hated it, about getting a new job, finding a new job. So I had a buddy who was in scaffolding, and... He got you the connection? Yeah. Okay. Pretty much Mm -hmm. told me that they were hiring 
in that I could pretty much walk in the door and get a job. And I blew off the first interview because I was like, yeah, right, no mm-hmm. way. I'm not going to be able to work in the shipyard off of just walking into one, just open up the door going into one interview. Not going to happen. Look at you now. <laughs> so he texts me like three days later all pissed off because I pretty much made him look bad and blew off the first interview. And after apologizing like crazy, his boss still wanted to talk to me. So I go up in there, and sure enough, after just walking in the door and having a quick sit, quick sit down, I was offered a beer at that interview. When yeah, yeah, the project manager offered me a beer, wow. which was so weird. I was already intimidated walking into there. I felt like a little child amongst a bunch of grown men and then being offered a beer and I was underage and he knew (laughs) I was underage, but apparently he didn't care. But anyways, I pretty much have a 10 minute long interview and then get offered a job for $10 an hour. Yeah. That's what started your scaffolding journey. Yeah. Um, I was over the moon about making $10 an hour. Couldn't (laughs) freaking believe it. So yeah. I start scaffolding. I was at that company for about three years. And Chaplin ended up becoming my nickname there. So meeting the guys and getting to know everyone and everyone getting to know me, I ended up telling them that I was in seminary for a very short amount of time and uh, that I was going there to become a chaplain, felt like God had put it on my heart to become a chaplain. Thus came the nickname Chaplain. So most of the guys there didn't even know my first name or anything like that. They just knew me as Chaplain, which I just felt like super stoked about. I was super honored to be called a chaplain. But now you actually are a chaplain, you know? Yeah, right. So basically... As the years went on working at this company, I become completely obsessed with money and end up just working like crazy because I figured out from the other guys who had been scaffolding a lot longer than me that the more overtime you work, the bigger your paycheck is. So I would go weeks and months working 12, 10-hour shifts, just any any kind of overtime I could get. No matter what, I would just work a ton of overtime. I didn't care about any days off or anything like that. And in turn, ended up making me uh, secluded from my family and my current girlfriend at the time. And I basically just never saw anybody. I ended up moving from my parents' house in Hampton to Virginia Beach. And just all I did was work, 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 and work, and work. And then it, within that time, I started drinking started dabbling into partying and realized that that was a really good way to deal with personal issues because basically I would work all day and wouldn't have to deal with anything deep down inside of me, face any of the inner demons I was dealing with. So when I would get off work, I had to face them all. But if I was hammered or partying with friends till 12 o'clock in the morning and then go home and pass out, I wouldn't have to deal with my problems. Oh, yeah. You know, and I feel like a lot of people do that. So, you know, maybe there's viewers listening who are currently doing that. Um, Do you have any advice or um, words of encouragement on how they should deal with it versus, you know, going out drinking and all of that? Deal with it. 
and not numb it, not okay. try to numb the pain yeah. with drinking or drugs. That's the short, easy answer to it. But it's, you know, I'm sure easier said than done, you know. And it definitely is. My biggest advice to to anyone, well, you, Christ has to be centered in your life. Absolutely. And for anybody who wants advice separate from Jesus or any advice I could give from the Bible, uh, you're coming to the wrong place because I feel like if you seek any kind of marital help, financial help, addiction help, uh, mental help from anywhere, from any other source but Christ <clears throat> and what Scripture says, then you're pretty much just putting a Band-Aid over the problem. You're never going <clears> to <throat> actually find true freedom or help from any of those situations. So Christ is first. How do you get to Christ is uh, definitely being plugged in to a very strong theological evangelical church. Yeah, and then building um, authentic relationships with members within the church, yes. definitely. Yeah. Um, that's We're, definitely helped yeah. us, you know. Real real people, real people, real pastors who aren't just going to give you the classic candy-coated crap that a lot of us probably have heard for a long time and just want to hand you a book or curriculum and just say here here you go you know this will help you deal with your pornography or alcohol addiction and for the people who that aa and stuff didn't work for because christ has to be first you put scripture first you put christ first and all those things and for the men you can't bottle it up because bottling it up is just going to turn into anger it's just going to turn into more problems so be a real man and talk about your issues. Yeah, and in upcoming episodes, you know, we'll go, you know, over stuff about, you know, pornography addictions. Whoops, messed that all up. But yeah, we'll go over that. Um, also, um, just how to deal with anger, obviously, Christ. Um, but, you know, we will talk about certain issues we've went through separately as individuals, um, but also... Um, problems that we went through as a couple and then as a marital couple. Yeah. And that being said, we've only been married. Yeah. Uh, probably three months. Yeah. Right? Am I right? Yeah. Probably three months by the time most people listen to this. But that is a story for another time because I feel like we could write a whole book on marriage at this point and what God has brought us through in three short months of marriage. But, again, that's a story for another time. So, yeah, anyways, um, through, through, so I've been, I've been in scaffolding nine years in the construction industry. And currently, now I'm an operations coordinator for my current scaffolding company that I work for. But in that time, you know, I move up the ranks from, you know, a ground guy or, for people who are not used to scaffolding terms, uh, a laborer. And then went up to a, a builder and then lead a builder and then to foreman. And um, I had acted as a general foreman and a supervisor on certain bigger jobs. But official title now is operations coordinator for the current scaffolding company I'm with. But in through through that time of that, I had always tried to convince myself while the drinking and partying was going on that I was still a Christian. While in the background, the stuff that I wasn't telling people, I was heavily addicted to pornography. 
and the pornography at that point had gotten so bad that virtually it wasn't doing anything for me, which led me to go into get involved with strip clubs, which in turn uh, opened the door to premarital sex with uh, pretty much any girl that would come home with me, and uh, my attitude was absolutely horrible. Um, I was arrogant. I was cocky with my money. I made very stupid financial choices. I have spent money in strip clubs that would make most people who knew about it sick. And, um, just, I was super arrogant, super cocky, super prideful about everything. I bought my first house when I was 22. I made $85,000 when I was 23 and I was making more money than, most of my friends who went off to college, um, I don't even have a GED. So I was just full of pride and arrogance because a lot of people said I would never amount to anything because I didn't take school seriously. And so then the fact that I make you know almost $100,000 at 23 with little to no education other than seminary at this point. Um, so I have, a high, or I have a homeschooled diploma. But I do not technically have a GED, so just to to avoid the confusion, that's how I was able to attend um, seminary. So having little to no education other than the little bit of pastoral counseling that I do have, I was full of pride and self-centeredness. And that was also how I tried to woo my wife with the arrogance and the money and the cockiness, but she wasn't having none of that. Um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I was just, and while all along still trying to pretend and act like I was a Christian, and a lot of people who are familiar with the construction industry know that, you know, hard hat things are just the coolest thing ever. All of us, you know, (laughs) that's just, that's what you do. You put stickers all over your hard hat and your name or your nickname. So I always, from day one, even till now, always had chaplain on my hard hat while being on job sites cussing like crazy and then again having all of that going on in the background so not only did I not set or show an example of a chaplain I did not there was not any bit of Christ that was showing in me my I was not living my life as a Christian I was not setting a Christian example I was not following in Christ's footsteps or the example he gave for us to live by But I still, you know, after going on a cuss-filled rant or chewing somebody out, just horrible attitude and cockiness, uh, you know, I would still try to convince myself and tell people that I was a Christian, which couldn't be further from the truth because you could debunk my entire life um, with just any little bit of scripture. Mm -hmm. So... Fast forward to, you know, more recently, I meet my wife, you know, still got all this crap going on. I'm still prideful. I'm still arrogant. I'm still cocky. Uh, My best friend who worked for the scaffolding, my second scaffold company that I was working for at the time, that's how I met my best friend. Um, I had left my first scaffold company, started working for this company, and... I met my best friend, Sorry. and she keeps laughing at me because <laughs> I, I keep... 
but that's okay. But anyway, backtracking so, yeah, over myself. He met his best friend at the other scaffold company. Um, which I at my current job, um, I met one of my friends there, and so you know them two ended up meeting somehow. They got together. It was actually the night that um, she wanted to introduce um, her boyfriend to all of her friends that we met, you know. So he was there with him. I was there with her. And we, we met Which that way. Which is the dumbest thing in the world. Well. Because only, 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 only like, what? you ain't making such a big deal. Like, I feel like only women make that big of a deal about their boyfriend. Weren't you like, glad because, look, we met because well, of it. Well, I mean, valid point, but still, I feel like only women make that big of a deal out of, oh, like, I got a, I got a boyfriend, oh, so, okay. like, everybody, let's all go out to dinner so you can meet my boyfriend. So, anywho, we... <laughs> like, guys are just, like, you know, most guys find out about their girlfriend, like, months later, and yeah. then everyone's like, oh, yeah, I've been dating this girl for, like, three months. Yeah. Well, anywho, so that's how we first met, um... We probably went on a two-year streak of, you know, we went okay, on a date up, here, no, date I, there. I, no, I'm telling. I'm trying to flash forward, you know, date here, date no, there. No, I know we're not going to. off here. No, we're off. not going to fly through that part. I'm going to tell that part. Yeah, we meet through my best friend at a bar. And thank God I went with him because how awkward that would have been because there was no other guy there. It was just his old lady and everybody else and I sit next to Amanda and just am like all about her I'm like oh look at this foxy little mama sitting here mm, 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 mm. so yeah like she said blow off your butt see she she don't like this part of our story because I'm right so I you know, a couple days later, tell my buddy, I'm like, yo, you need to find out from from your girl if Amanda is single. Which I was at the time. And, you know, his his girl was all like, yeah, she's single. Tell him to, like, friend her on Facebook and stuff like that. So I friend her on Facebook, and like the total classy guy I was, I message her on Facebook and say, hey, it was nice meeting you. Here's my phone number. Hit me up sometime. You know, total classy gentleman like I was. And she messaged me back and said, here's my phone number. Why don't you text me sometime? I said it was nice meeting you also. I don't think so. And gave you my phone number. Trying to save face. Trying to look all sweet. So anyways, we, we talk for a little bit and we went on very, one very weird, awkward date which we it both agreed after. It was a good date. But then we just blew each other off. No, not not the first one. When, when we went to Redbones. That was that our was, first date. Yes, it, it was. It was AJ Gators, I thought. AJ Gators was not our first date. Look, we're like, whoever is listening is finding out a lot about how much you don't remember about our history. No, false. Anywho, all right, I'll let you tell the rest. Our first official date was that random blind date at Redbones. Okay, it was very awkward. And it was very awkward. We barely said anything to each other, and we basically didn't talk any after that. We just, We yeah. just, like, neither one of us texted each other because we knew what time it was. <laughs> so, fast forward a couple months later, I tried texting her again. 
So we texted a little here and there. And then we went on a very good date that I thought that went was very AJ well. That was AJ Gators' date, right? Yeah, that was when we went to AJ Gators. Okay. And it went pretty I, well. I thought it went well, too. And so she says, but she completely ghosted on me. Just stopped mm-hmm. texting me, never hit me up, anything more after that. And she, when we first started dating, like actual boyfriend and girlfriend at this point, she kept denying that, kept denying that. And we finally went back through the old text messages and saw where I had texted her like a sad little puppy like three more times, and she never texted me back. Yeah. So we proved mm-hmm. that. So, then, like, the nitty-gritty, dirty part happens. Yes. And we stayed mutual friends, sort of. Like, we know there wasn't any, like, weird, bad tension between us. So, like, our, you know, she was still friends with my best friend's girl, girlfriend at the time. And, you know, I was still best friends with him. So, cookouts, parties, concerts stuff like that we still saw each other and we would hang out and you know chill with each other there and it wasn't awkward or weird or anything like that but um one night we'd go out to a bar with all of our friends and amanda was there tyler was there and i was there (laughs) and basically we both end up drinking way 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 too much yes and one thing led to another yeah one thing led to another and i think everyone's imaginations can speak for themselves at this point and we end up talking like actually talking and no everyone texting each other back yes for a whole month i was running a outage at a paper mill at the time and for those of you don't who don't know anything about outages basically a paper mill nuclear plant power plant, whatever plant it is, or mill, shuts down for, let's say the whole mill shuts down for about two weeks. The scaffolding crew, because that's really the only thing I can speak from, the scaffolding crew is there for about a month. So basically, in turn, I'm there for a whole month working 12-hour shifts, uh, seven days a week, no days off. And sometimes that runs into the night, so you could be working you know, anywhere from like 12 to 16 hour shifts, but 12 hours the minimum. So my history with, you know, talking to girls and maybe wanting them, you know, wanting to be their boyfriend or have them be my girlfriend or whatever, work always seemed to be the problem. So I had pretty much made it up in my head that I was not going to ask Amanda to be my girlfriend until after that outage was over. My mind was, is that if she still wanted to hang out and stick with me, through the outage, she was going to text me, even though it was going to take, you know, five hours to text her back. She still wanted to go hang out and get dinner. And I stuck through. Yeah, so she stuck so through it. After the outage, she asked me to be his girlfriend officially. And, of course, I said yes. Um, <clears throat> so that was kind of the start of our relationship. Um, and, you know, at the beginning, it was, it was fun, but it was revolved around... Um, drinking and premarital sex um so our it was pretty much just consumed by that and we would argue all the time about you know little stuff we would sweep it under the rug um and (laughs) um yeah so we like she said argued 
a, like a ton. And I mean, this is bad. I mean, for, you know, anyone who's listening, you know, you sit there and think that, um, arguing just comes with a relationship, which it does. And it comes with marriage too. But factoring drinking, that just But yeah, that was the, the biggest thing for us is that we, um, our relationship went very weird. It was like the high life. Like, you know, we were just, like, all in love. Like, kind of that new relationship honeymoon phase, so to speak. So, like, we were partying with our friends all the time. uh, Drinking, you know, while we're doing all that all the time. And, you know, we were, like, an extremely social couple. I was also always a social person because I had pretty much programmed myself that, you know, I didn't have to deal with my problems if I was just consumed by work and... Con- Always had something to keep my mind straight. Well, we, like she said, our relationship went extremely fast. So we start dating, and I think we were dating for, what, maybe two months? Two or three. And, and we went to New York. Yeah, I asked her to move in. We were at, so where where I live is, you know, a, a very nice area, and it's got, like, a pool. And we were down at the pool, and... I just on a whim while we're down at the pool, just ask her to move in with me. And she was like super hesitant. And through this, you know, so back up real quick. I like come home from work one day. She was over here hanging out, waiting for me to get off work. I like bust in the door. I go to the refrigerator, grab a beer. And I look at her and I'm like, let's go to New York. And she just gives me this like really stupid look. And I'm like, no, I'm serious. Like if you're down to go to New York for a week, I'm going to buy the tickets. I'm going to buy the airline tickets right now. I love New York City because I look at big cities like that way differently than anybody else does. Mm -hmm. I see Baltimore, New York, Las Vegas, stuff like that. Uh, Not for what they're known for, so to speak, but that I look at it as, you know, blue-collared people like me put that city together. Like the Big Apple, the greatest city in America – was put together by With blue the best collar. Pizza. They have the best pizza yeah, there. We eat pizza, pizza like every every day meal, there. every sometimes twice a day. <laughs> but that's why I love New York City so much because it took blue collared hands, men and women out there putting those big huge bridges and skyscrapers together. And you couldn't like digitally print that, you know, and you couldn't. It took real yeah. hard work yeah. over time. People putting down their lives to do it. So, just a little story on why I love New York so much. (laughs) So, yeah, on a whim, just ask her to go, and we go. So, while we're waiting for our trip, I ask her down at the pool if she wants to move in. And her response was, well, we'll see how New York goes. So, New York went awesome. We party and drank and had a ton of sex the whole time. So, why wouldn't anyone consider that to be awesome? So she comes back, we come back from New York and we go and tell, she goes and tells her parents how, cause I wasn't living with my parents. Obviously I owned my house. She was still living with her parents. She goes and tells her parents how awesome it was. And basically, oh, by the way, I'm moving in with Tyler. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that was pretty much it. Uh, and that was only like three months into yeah, our relationship. Like That's months, why we yeah. said it was kind of fast paced, you know. Kind of, it was very fast. And I didn't really even say much to my parents at all because um you know my my dad was a youth pastor so most of my life growing up he was you know 
in the church. And I mean, I grew up in the church my whole life. I guess I could have, should have kind of given a little bit of background on that. But yeah, I mean, I grew up in the church my whole life and for most of my life had a very strong relationship with Christ. And we will probably go into more of that later on, you know, as we do more series and episodes. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I, uh, grew up watching my dad teach the youth group and, you know, I, I only attended very few youth groups because I wasn't ever old enough. You know, I only attended like one or two that my dad taught by the time I was old enough. But, um, so I, I knew my parents' opinion and feeling would be on her moving in. So I pretty much, and then it also had a very twisted attitude that, you know, it's kind of like my house, my rules, you know, I'm not under my parents' authority anymore. So I didn't really care what their opinion of it was going to be. And, um, and then she pretty much tells her parents how awesome New York went and was just like, yeah, and I'm moving in. And packed my bags and I, yeah. I moved in. And that's where, you know, the drinking came it, into play, it's you know. Pe- it's peak hit when you moved in. Yeah. Drinking because, all the time. Yeah, and then, and then like the reclusiveness of our relationship started to happening happen too. Like the, not really at the beginning. Though. No, not at the beginning. But that's when it started to, to, it started to peak. So like, you know... Neither one of us drank a ton personally. Like, it was more socially that we drank. But when we would go out and drink with friends, we drank a lot to the, you know, not really her so much, but I like blacked out like all the time. But I didn't like drink a lot at the house by myself. I wasn't really, my depression and anxiety and stuff like that hadn't really sat in enough to cope with it yet. So, you know, we when she moves in, you know, it's kind of like we it was the whole keeping the party and thing going. Yeah, you're so, not sitting here by yourself. Oh, you got me, so let's crack up yeah, some beers. Yeah, so we started, you know, we would have a ton of alcohol in the house all the time. And uh, we, you know, now that I had somebody here, I wasn't here alone. I, it, there was more of a reason to drink so we would, you know, be drinking all the time, which yeah. turned into very bad routines. And I yeah. got to the point where I would have, you know, five, six beers every day, Monday through Friday. It didn't matter. Every day I would walk home. And most of the time before I even acknowledged, hugged, or kissed Amanda, I would walk right over the refrigerator and grab a beer. You and this went on for probably two years. And then that's when kind of the... Um, but God moment came yeah. into so, play. The, like the in between the but God moment was when, um, you know, she, she, um, I don't really want to like tell you, but like you, you didn't really like grow up in the church or have a relationship oh, yeah, with Christ. I, I, so I didn't. like to kind of fill in the gap there, like I knew deep down inside that, us having, you know, sex outside of marriage, I knew it was wrong. But I always, I would try to justify it to myself or to people who asked about it, buddies at work or even, you know, when you would ask about, you know, the Bible talking about premarital sex, I would, you know, justify it in the fact of like, oh, well, you know, back in biblical times, they traded goats and, Stuff like that. And there was no law on marriage, you know, whereas like, you know, we're in the state of Virginia. So you, 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 you know, you have to, you, you legally have to be married, 
with a with a document and I would always try to justify the fact that oh well we love each other and that's pretty much all it was in biblical times so you know we're okay to have sex even though the state of Virginia doesn't legally see us as married well um and and also um we had at this point we had been attending a church for about Four or five months, you yeah, say? Yeah, yeah I would yeah, say. Yeah, so that kind of also, yeah. God was showing you um, the ropes on that, like, hey, wait a minute, man, yeah. this, this yeah, is Yeah, through the whole good. thing, God really spoke through, uh, I guess I was his lucky chosen one, um, through it. And, you know, and as, as this all went on with me and Amanda, we both acknowledged and understood why God kind of used me as the vessel to mm-hmm. speak through because of... Uh, just for various other reasons. I mean, we could go on and on about a lot of this stuff in more detail. Um, if people want to hear more detail on our story and our testimony as a couple, but, um, yeah, I, I, she, you were the one who brought it up to me to start going to this church. The church that I had went to before, uh, kind of did me very dirty. Um, and the way they handled stuff and, you know, so I just dipped out altogether and, I just had a very bad taste in my mouth for the church. Um, but basically the the way that the way our relationship was going was horrible. We were drinking all the time. We were fighting all the time. Um, our differences started to show where like I wanted to continue to be very social, partying, drinking and hanging out. And she got more, you know, her more of, you know, wanting to be a homebody started to show more. So we started to get at each other's throats like crazy about that. And there would be times where we would drink and, you know, our fighting would almost become physical. I mean, I had punched holes in the wall, thrown stuff. I mean, it was just getting uglier as the weeks went on. Mm-hmm. And one, we finally decided i don't even remember what made me decide but we kind of just decided to attend this the church we go to now uh church at hampton roads so it was, it was tummy we're yeah, looking for t- a new church because we're attending yeah, one right. it, it 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 wasn't really authentic oh, well, we, that, I, we only went to yeah. one so i'm not even going to say Two that it times. wasn't authentic we we were not at the right place to have received yeah. but so any this kind guy of message coming whatsoever. into my job tony um i i was telling him how we were trying to find a church to attend. And he was like, well, hey, y'all should check out CHR. And it probably took us like a month or two to actually go for the first time. Yeah. And so after going the first time, like we, we just knew like, hey, this is the church God has called us to be mm-hmm. parts of. This is the church uh, God has called us to serve at. And, you know, that's pretty much when we started getting into the church um, and developing the authentic relationships that, you know, you need. You got to do life together with um, Christ's followers, you know. You can't do it on your own. And definitely going through um, what we went through, it was a lot easier when you could reach out to somebody who was going to give you godly advice versus reaching out to, you know, your scaffold builder friends who would give you worldly advice you know yeah and um like i don't even know what at what point like because like 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 you said like we it was probably like a month we didn't uh 
go, maybe even longer than that. And finally, at one point, we both had decided to go, and I knew it was a turning point that needed to happen when I don't remember what we were doing or what we did, but we we had agreed to finally go to check out CHR, and um, we had went out. I don't know if it was a concert or one of the we went to one of the local racetracks, but basically we went out and got you know we were hanging out, drinking, got drunk, and uh, we were at home laying in bed, and Amanda's just like bawling her eyes out, and. I'm like, what is wrong? And she kept trying to brush it off like nothing was wrong. So I'm sitting there thinking, like, what did I do wrong? And she finally ends up telling me, uh, as she's bawling her eyes out, I know we're not going to get up and go to church tomorrow. I know we shouldn't have went out and drank. We drank too much, and I know we're not going to go to church tomorrow. And, you know, of course, I tried to encourage her and be like, no, you know, we, we make the choice if we don't go. And, of course, you know, she was right. We didn't go to church. So, um. You know, yeah, like she said, like we, we did go that fall on Sunday and we knew that we needed to go there. And the wake-up call slowly started to happen for me. The more we attended, the more... The blinders were being taken Yeah, off. right. Yeah. And the more that our uh, sin literally couldn't hide under the rug anymore. And it was little by little God started to show me um, as I started, you know reconnecting with him and getting my life back on track with him um that I started to to realize like how much we were drinking my cussing your cussing um I mean our our language was horrible we go back and look at you know videos from when we were at Mm -hmm. concerts or football games or parties and you know we just like our ears are bleeding you know we hear how much we were cussing And, and I mean it was just totally normal to us, you know, we didn't even realize how filthy our language was. And, um, you know, those little things just started to show up. And then as, you know, we would start connecting more with the pastors and other people who went there, you know, we started getting encouraged more and more. Well, she starts working for Tony. He owns a garage door mm-hmm. business around here. And um, she starts working for him as an office admin. And, Come to find out, uh, the pastor's daughter goes to the church, and his she, son she, works at works um, at Appledore too. And Tony, who owns the business, also attends the church. So I'm sitting here. You know, she tells me all this, and I'm like, "Oh crap!" You know, I've got to think of some kind of lie. To tell her that she doesn't know is a lie so that they don't find out that we're living together, having sex, and then, you know, then it's going to be right in my face. Then the pastors are really going to wonder, you know, what are we doing? And, like, why are we living like this? And then, you know, I'm going to have to, like, sit there and try to justify in my stupid way why I think this is okay. And then come to find out later on, you know, Amanda filled me in that everyone – at the church pretty much and and uh everyone at at Apple Door pretty much which is the door company Tony owns um knew that we were living together so it wasn't yeah. a secret like no. I thought I was you know trying to hold the secret trying to keep it all in the darkness um and then it was right around that time that God really blew the door open yeah. on our relationship basically one night or one one Sunday 
it was just full of the Holy Spirit. And, I mean, he was just pumping into church that Sunday. I mean, we were feeling great. And we went and had sex that night. And I got up, went to the bathroom. I mean, I was so sick on my stomach. I was so convicted by the Holy Spirit. I mean, I, I didn't have... Because I was so far from God. My my life had fallen so far from Christ that I didn't know what conviction was anymore. Like, I, I, I hadn't felt conviction like that in such a long time. And, it, and it, I was so convicted that it made me sick on the stomach. And I still kept trying to repress it. And because I was like, you know, there's no way, you know, that Amanda's going to understand you know, what is going on here that I, I've got to start telling her that I got to tell her that we're not having sex anymore. And then I have to basically go back on what I had always told her on why, how I try to justify it through the Bible and twist scripture around to make it fit my worldly desires. So basically repressing it, repressing it, repressing it. I feel in the middle of trying to repress the conviction Christ has given me, I feel a calling on my life to become a chaplain again. I was over the moon. I was joyed. Couldn't believe it. Cause I thought for sure there was no way after what I had done with my life that, you know, the stripping porn, drinking, uh, living with you and. Well, don't get sidetracked. No, you, you bouncing all over the place now. What do you mean? So, <clears throat> you got to talk about well, me moving out. That's what I was getting to. Oh, okay. Yeah. See? That's what you get for cutting me off. So, in in the middle of God showing me our ugly sin, he also puts the calling on my heart to become a chaplain. And in my head, I know that he's about to blow the door off of this because I can't go to the leadership in my church and tell them that, hey, God's put it on my heart to become a chaplain. You know, what are the next steps moving forward while they know that, you know, me and a man are living together and that, you know, 90% chance, 99% chance that we're probably having sex and that in no way would I be qualified for ministry or to even be in a leadership role uh, as a chaplain or even a leader within the church. Um, so finally... God, through a very bad argument we have, blows the doors wide open on our relationship. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, we had a horrible argument. Um, I don't even to this day remember what that argument was about. Well, no, and, and that's the thing. You know, a lot of times stuff starts off small and then it just blows up and you, you don't even know what you're arguing about, what the first point was, you know? Yeah, and... uh through that horrible argument, God literally just puts it on my heart so hard that, I mean, I know what time it is. I know what decision has to be made, and that was for her to move out, for us to do this dating thing right, according to what the scripture really says. And, you know, that in my head was the very easy talk to have, that, you know, you need to move back in with your parents or move in with a friend, whatever. The hard one for me was trying to get her to understand that we were no longer going to have sex anymore because basically at this point I had picked God over everything. Um, I had and you know picked I basically had picked God over Amanda, 
which uh, to put a little bug in everybody's ear that you know if you're if you're not picking God first over your girlfriend or wife, you're in for a very rude awakening. Yes. Uh, you know, Christ has to be first to so you have to be led by Him in order to lead your household. But um, that's pretty much what happened is that I I picked Christ over Amanda, and and also at the time I wasn't. Um in the right state of mind to understand, you know, understand any of it because I had I mean, just switched jobs. you were basically playing jobs. church at this point, like going to church, feeling good on a Sunday, but you, neither one of us really were living it out well, throughout yeah, the week. But like, you know, for me, you know, I, I didn't grow up in the church, so I didn't really comprehend or understand any of it at all, you know, and I had just switched jobs, which I had been there for like five years. So, you know, I, I developed um, very well, good relationships with them people. So it was hard leaving a job, um, starting a new one, which was 10 minutes from his house, you know, and then to be told, you know, well, you can't live here no more. We're not going to have sex anymore. In my head, I was like, okay, obviously he doesn't love me anymore. He um, is is cheating on me. Found somebody else. You know, just any and everything. Like I was, I was thinking of it, and <clears throat> I just wasn't understanding. You know. Yeah, and that, that was another thing I should have said too. That uh, the company Apple Door that she was working for was only ten minutes down the road. So her parents lived in Elizabeth City. So uh, and I, it was I, I lived be an in hour yeah. Drive I lived in in Chesapeake. So. Uh, and throughout the whole time that she was uh, living with me, I would I always encouraged her to get a job, you know, closer, you know, here in Chesapeake, instead of jo- driving all the way out to uh, Moyoc, to Southland where she works. Um, shout out Southland! Ooh, um, yeah, Tony owes me for this too. Um, so. That was another thing that it was just ten minutes down the road, and she had only been there for what two months? No, it was probably a, longer a few than that. weeks. It was probably only a few weeks. No, I think Maybe it, I think month. you were about a month. So that was another thing that you know was kind of just dropped on her head that you know, hey, I know you just got a job ten minutes up the road from the house, but you know, I'm picking God over you. You've got to move out, uh, you know, and it's pretty much like you get on the train or you get off. And the only way that we're going to make this work is if we put Christ in the center. So, um, which the conviction on my heart was right. There was, uh, you know, probably a different way now looking back on it that I should have presented all this to her. But, I mean, you can't rewrite the past. But um, that was pretty much what, what, uh what happened with that and she did she moved out um we stopped having sex it was hard it was rough especially at the beginning personally you know because i didn't understand you know what was going on um uh (laughs) it was really hard you know like i remember i would just sit in my nephew's room because you know i had moved out for two years they turned the my room into my nephew's room so technically i didn't even have a room there you know um but i would sit there and just just cry and i i just couldn't get over like what was going on um which ultimately you know like led me to opening up the bible and Opening it up, reading it, brought understanding, you know. Like, Christ will meet you where you're at. And he definitely met me right there crying 
on the floor. Um, and that, that definitely transformed not only my life, but our relationship. Um, so we probably, <clears throat> once I was um, understanding everything that was going on, you know, we would go on dates. He would drive out to Elizabeth City um, and things were good, you know. Um, we probably lived apart and all for... Almost a year. Almost it was, a it was year, about, yeah. No it sex. Was probably, what, uh, pro- probably like 10 months, 9 months, something like that. Yeah, 10 months, yeah. I think. And then he proposed to me... Um, and we had a rather short engagement because we already knew, like, yeah. God called us to be together, yeah, and you know? like, through through that time, um, like, it, it was undeniable that, like, God was, had brought me back to the calling of being a chaplain. And so I, uh, I started hitting that hard. Um, I had, I'd taken a course through uh, International Federation of Christian Chaplains. That was kind of the start there. I was getting mentorship through uh, CHR, the church that we attended, mm-hmm. and um, then and so the the International Federation of uh, Christian Chaplains that was uh, they, they they licensed uh, chaplains they did not ordain them and that was kind of the the starting point for becoming a chaplain there and while still receiving mentorship through CHR mm-hmm. and um, through through that time. Of you know, us living apart was really when God worked on me through that, and um, you know, it was not easy peasy. Just you know, she moved out, we didn't have sex anymore. You know, there was a lot of ups and downs in the road, yeah. a lot of the, our old self still trying to peek in, still trying to creep in. And um, right before I proposed to her, um, God opened the door to a ministry called Christian Chaplains and Coaching, who is uh, who ordained me. So I'm ordained through Christian chaplains and coaching uh, and serve as a chaplain through them. And while also serving as a chaplain uh, through CHR, uh, I'm a prayer leader there. And um, so I started, uh, you know, taking the course and, you know, the requirements through Christian chaplains and coaching there um, right before I proposed to her. And, um, you know, she was there encouraging me along the way, and that was pretty much our very up-and-down story. Yeah, and, you know, <clears throat> once I developed the knowledge and all after you proposed, you know, it it was definitely an eye-opener looking back, you know, like, if God is not the center, um, you know, which at first, you know, it's like I was making Tyler my idol, you know, and that led to many of the arguments, you know, because I was trying to put, you know, my identity into him, my, like the way I saw myself, how I felt about myself, all of that into him, comfort him, you know, and humans cannot carry the load that Christ can. He can carry it all. So if you're putting your eggs into a human basket, it's going to get dropped, you know, and Christ will never let you down. So you have to lift them things up and give them to him because he will not drop them. He can hold it all. Um, and I'm looking at the time. We have like nine minutes left and it don't feel like we are talking for no, an hour, which is good. Yeah, that was, uh, but you have to love Christ in order to learn how to love others. You know, not, I mean, not just your spouse, your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, friends, like, no, you have to love him first 
and then you learn to love everybody else, you know? Yeah. So that was a big eye-opener for me. I'm sure it was for you as well. Yeah. Oh, no, and it, it definitely was. And, like, you know, the all the truth to that and all the truth in Scripture, you know, I I lost it for, you know, probably seven, eight years. And, um, you know, that's what that was the point that, you know, not that Christ let me fall all the way to the bottom of the hole, but that was, I mean, there was plenty of times I could look back on my life and see where God was showing himself and just crying out for me to grab his arm. You know, it was kind of just slowly sinking in the ocean. And there was plenty of times, you know, just like when Peter fell under the water, took his eyes off Christ, you know, Christ reached down and pulled him out of the water. And there's plenty of times Christ was doing that, but it took me just, kind of swatting away his hand and sinking all the way to the bottom of the ocean and hitting my absolute breaking points that Christ had to take me out of mm-hmm. to get me to where we are now. And, um, married, <laughs> married. Yeah. And, you know, maybe, maybe in a future episode, we can go into more detail about our testimony and I can share a little bit more about, you know, why the calling to become a chaplain is in our heart. You know, it, Definitely an hour took up a lot more time. Our story took up a lot more time than what I realized, but, um, which is serene. Basically, <laughs> you know, if anyone wants to get in touch with me, you can reach me at my email at chaplain tyler7 at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us on Facebook and Instagram. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you can send any questions you have for Amanda to my email too. Uh, that's chaplain Tyler seven, the number seven at gmail.com <laughs> or send us anything to us on Facebook or Instagram. Um, I also have a LinkedIn page too. That's chaplain Tyler Eggleston. You can reach <laughs> me on there. I don't know why she's laughing. Because I can. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, ask us questions. We'd love to talk about them on here. You know, hopefully, I can't wait to see what God does through this. Obviously, it's our first episode, so hopefully God takes this as a tool, as a ministry tool, and uses us as a vessel to, you know, help other people. Hopefully, we can help other young couples and uh, other people in the construction industry, you know, recenter with Christ. So, can't wait to see where this goes, and I think we should uh, end our first episode with a prayer. All right. Why don't you lead us in that prayer, chaplain? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you, Lord, for uh, this time, Lord, to share our testimony, Lord, with whoever's listening, Lord. Uh, Please, Lord, just use this as a vessel and as a tool, Lord, to help other couples, Lord, to reach other young people out there, Lord, to reach other people in the construction industry, Lord. Uh, Thank you, Lord, for the platform and opportunity you've given us to do this lord please lord help us to do all things uh to glorify you lord Mm -hmm. please lord let your uh presence be there lord and just help this reach somebody lord and help somebody uh out there be bold lord that if they need help to reach out to us lord put that conviction on their heart lord to seek help lord and even if it's not through us lord help them get plugged into a church lord Help them find that community, that Christ-centered community, that authentic community, Lord, to be recentered through you, Lord. And we just pray all these things in your holy and precious name, Lord, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and the blood that you shed for us. For it's in your holy and precious name we pray, Lord. 
Amen. Amen. Thank you all for listening, and uh, please we'll reach out time, to yeah. us, and we'll see you all in the next episode. <laughs>